grab your Bibles and your outline, we're going to be in uh, our second and final week in this mini-series entitled Lead Where You Are. Last week, uh, we started this series, and for those of you who were not with us, or maybe those of you who are very forgetful, I want to take just a couple minutes to remind us of where we've been last week. As you remember, we, we looked at this word, this concept of leadership. And we saw that biblical leadership is different than what our culture tells us leadership is. And, and there's some things to learn from culture and leadership. I'm not saying that it's all bad, but biblical leadership is not always what we think that leadership is. We learned that every single believer, every follower of Jesus is called to be a leader. And to deal with this, it's kind of hard to take because we say, well, I don't know about that. Every Christian is a leader. Uh, well, what about the spiritual gift of leadership? Pastor Brady, are you saying that every Christian has the same spiritual gifts? No, I'm not. Or are you saying that leadership is not a spiritual gift? No, leadership is a spiritual gift. So you say that every Christian has the spiritual gift of leadership. No, I didn't say that. Just like every Christian is called to give, some have the spiritual gift of giving. Every Christian is called to serve and to help, but some have the spiritual gift of helps. There is a measure of that involved in every believer's life. And I'm challenging us today that there is a measure of leadership involved in every believer's life. It's hard for us to chew on or comprehend because... We have some concepts in our mind that's not biblical leadership. Biblical leadership is not, we talked about this last week, it's not a position. It's not about a nameplate on your door or a title on your business card. It's more than a position. It's more than a personality. You can have any of the personality uh, categories in your life, and you can see examples of godly leaders with the same personality that you have. Whether you're an Eeyore or you're a Tigger, God can use your personality type in leadership. So it's not just about a personality. It's not about telling people what to do. Some people say, well, I, I don't know if I'm a leader. I don't have anybody to, to tell what to do. You can lead up as well as lead down. It's not just about telling people what to do. It's not about a charismatic personality that you're a Pied Piper, that there's just tons of people following every trend that you set. It's not about being in charge. And it's definitely not about the absence of following. Leadership is not, well, I'm not a follower, therefore I'm a leader. In fact, good followers, they don't get off the hook and say, well, I'm a good follower, therefore I'm not a leader. No, good followers make some of the best leaders. In fact, excellent leaders know how to follow. That's why every follower of Jesus, every Christian who follows Jesus is called as you're a carrier of the Great Commission, to give that to someone else, to lead someone else to the very one that you are following. There's a myth that we bought into, too many of us, that we think of this idea, well, there's, there's too many chiefs and not enough Indians. There's, there's too many cooks in the kitchen and not enough helping hands. And so I'm going to leave that leadership to someone else, and I'm just going to show up and take marching orders. Do that. Follow. Be a good follower. But that doesn't get you off the hook to say, well, I don't need to lead because I follow. No. Excellent leaders are excellent followers as well. It was good to see uh, Pastor Edgar back with us as he's recovering from surgery, easing his way back in. He was leading and following at the same time today. Seeing Pastor Edgar in the choir and letting Keith lead was good. And, and excellent leaders know how to follow as well. Every believer is called to lead right where they're at. Why? We saw last week that leadership, biblical leadership, is about the influence that we have. 
Scripture tells us that you are the salt of the earth. You are the light for the world. You, you don't have it. It's not that you possess it, that you own it. You are. When Jesus creates a new creation in you, you are the salt of the earth. Not only do we have influence that calls us to leadership, we have perspective. When we look to Jesus, when we get our eyes off ourselves, we get our eyes on the things of God, we have a different perspective and it calls us to leadership. We talked about this last week. It's not just influence, excuse me, it's not just influence and perspective, it's also service. Jesus didn't give us this perspective and this influence to serve ourselves. He says, if you want to be great, serve somebody around you. Serve someone else. We also see the truth is given to us. Because we have the truth, we are to define reality around us based off of the truth. We have the written Word of God, the Bible. We have the living Word of God, Jesus, in our life. And, and to receive these things as followers of Jesus and not lead the way and, and, and lead people through the truth is not doing what God called us to do. Every Christian is to lead right where they are at. Finally, we saw integrity. That's to do the right thing at the right time. God has given us opportunities to have integrity. We ended by looking that somebody is paying the price for your leadership. Either you pay the price because leading costs you something, or if you don't lead, your lack of leadership, you're passing on that cost to your family, to your community, to your church, to everybody around you. Someone is paying the price for your leadership. Either you're paying it, or the people around you. As we dive into some new material this morning, with that as our background, when we accept the call to lead right where we are, God wants to maximize the leadership in us. Leadership is like investing. If you try to get rich in one day, investing won't make a lot of sense for you. You'll make some big mistakes and it can cost you a lot if you try to do all your investing in one day. But if you're in it for the long haul and you continue to invest over time, most likely, with good advice, you'll receive and see a return. God calls every leader to lead right where they are at. Every believer to lead where they're at. Not only does God give us what we need to lead, but God wants to give us some key leadership skills to maximize that leadership in our life. And I want to look at these skills that God gives us. There's five that I want to talk about this morning we find in Scripture. The first skill that God gives to us I'm a believer, you're a believer, we're a follower of Jesus, and therefore we are to be good followers and good leaders, but, but how? How can I maximize that? How can I be a better leader? How can I be a better follower as I lead? First, by prioritizing. The ability to prioritize. Leaders must understand their priorities before they can implement them. Philippians 1 9 and 10 say, this is my prayer, that you may be able to discern what is best. Can I discern what is best? Prioritizing helps us discern what is best. Now, I want to suggest today that there's a common pitfall we fall into. We think about all the things that we have to say no to, and that's a part of prioritizing. It's an important part. But if we focus on all the little no's, we miss the blessing of the big yes. Here's what I mean by that. 
when you are saved, as simple as I can put it, when you accept the free gift of salvation from Jesus, you're giving him your sin. But when you come to a place that you don't just let Jesus come into your life and reside there to be in your heart, but you let him be president of your life, not just resident, he has control over every part of your life, you're saying the ultimate yes. Jesus, you can not only have my sin, but you can have everything that I am and everything that I'm not. You can run my life. You are the person in charge of my life. You are my Lord. And when I say that big yes to Jesus, it answers so many other questions down the road. It doesn't mean you never revisit additional surrendering to the Lord. But the big yes takes care of a lot of the little no's. Because you said yes to Jesus' will in your life, you don't have to at every turn say, you know what, should I obey God today? You know what, this is what God's asking me to do. I, I don't know if this is a, is a good risk or not. If I've already said yes to Jesus, I just have to listen to his prompting and obey it. The more I zero in on the big yes, the more God takes care of all the little no's that need to take place. Now I've seen it hundreds of times. Sometimes when we talk about prioritizing and there is truth. Sometimes we find ourselves doing things that's just stuff. And God didn't put it on our plate. We put it on our plate. And, and, and we like to talk about as Christians, of, you know what, I just need to clear my plate. And, and I'm just doing too much. And, and God doesn't want me overworked. And this is true. This is a true principle. But many times I've seen it. The individual will say, well, you know what, I, I'm just doing too much. This isn't going to please God. So I'm going to cut this out of my life. So they cut out the class or the group they're a part of. I'm just too busy. I'm going to cut out the ministry that I'm helping in. And I'm going to cut out how much I go to church. And, and I'm going to cut out all these things that are influencing you for Christ. All these things that you're influencing others for Christ. And pretty soon, it begins to cut out your Bible study, cut out your prayer time, cut out the service time. And, and, and we begin to see that, well, I can't get rid of my job. And, and I've got my family, and so I've got to give them the time. And when we really say all these little no's, we just say no to the things that are not that important to us. We have to get the big yes right first, or all the effort and prioritizing is useless. The rest of what I say today will be meaningless to you if you don't have the big yes right with God. If you don't say, God, I'm going to say yes to whatever you have for me. If you're still standing back saying, you know what, God, I kind of want to go to heaven, don't like the hell thing. But other than that, I'm just going to keep you at arm's length. God's inviting you to say yes to his will for your life. He wants you to lead right where you're at. And he wants to give you the skill to lead by prioritizing. And it comes from listening to him. Many of us have trouble with the no's. And we need to say no at times. But let's focus on the big yes. Another leadership skill that God wants to give, I believe, to every leader, which is every believer is the ability to look at your team that's building you. Team building. Say, Brady, I don't have a team. I'm not even sure if I'm a leader. Well, let me tell you again. You, Christian, follower of Jesus, you are a leader. You may not have the spiritual gift of leadership. That's okay. You are a leader. And you have a team. No, I don't. Yes, you do. Your team is the circle of friends that's closest to you. The people that you have chosen to include in your life. And the people that you have brought closest to you, you're giving God something to work with, of people to build you up as a leader. Now some of us, by the people we've gathered around us, you've given God great opportunities because you've chosen close friends and, and people who have influencing you, uh, people you look up to, 
that the center of their heart is Jesus Christ. And they're not only following, but they're also leading others to Jesus. And so those people begin to affect you and, and help you be a better leader. But some of us, the circle of friends we've surrounded ourselves with, they don't have Jesus at the center of their heart. They, they may follow, but they're very reluctant to lead. And they're not much help to us spurring us on in our call to lead as a Christian. I'm not saying that you don't reach out and have relationships that are intentional with people who are far from God, but those that are closest to you, are they building you into a better leader or not? There's people in your life, you know what they're like, when you're around them, when they just talk, they, they lift you up. Who is building you up? There's people in your life that when they talk, they, they tear you down. You may be called to love them, but get a different circle of influencers around you. Proverbs 13.20 says, He who walks with the wise grows wise. But a companion of fools suffers harm. 1 Corinthians 15.33, it's not in your outline, it says, Bad company corrupts good character. This doesn't mean we don't reach out to those around us, but who is that closest team around you? As you are being built as a leader, you need people around you who stretch you. Who have you given the right to speak directly to you? They don't have to go through any kind of filter of protocol. They can just speak right into your life. Terry is one of my accountability partners. I've given him the right. He can come right up to me and smack me in the back of the head and say, Hey, that didn't smell like Jesus. What's wrong with you? Everybody. We need somebody in our life that we are partners with, that we look up to, that, that we, we pour into, that we can journey together. This is a part of a skill of leadership that God gives to us. A third one, leadership skill for every believer, is the one of communication. Proverbs 18.21 tells us, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. What are you saying? What are you speaking? Are you giving life or are you giving death with the words that you say? Pastor, that sounds like hocus pocus stuff. What are you talking about? This is the Bible. Your mouth, your words can give life or can give death. I didn't say that you're a God. I didn't say that you can manipulate God. I'm telling you, God has given every single person the power in our tongue to speak life or to speak death. Again, you've been around people that when they open their mouth, it's just like a big old bunch of death coming out of their mouth. You know who they are. You may be sitting next to them. Don't raise your hand if you are. You may be that person. Don't raise your hand if that's you. How you communicate directly affects your ability to lead. God has called you to lead. And we are to grow in the skill of communication. And James talks to us in communication of two types of communication. James 1, 19 and 20. Everyone should be quick to listen. Quick to listen. And slow to speak. It doesn't say we should be silent. It doesn't say we shouldn't say anything. It doesn't say that we should be a doormat. No, we should be quick to listen, and slow to speak. Slow to become angry because our anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So these two types of communication we see here in this passage, listening and speaking. This is active listening. Now this isn't just shutting your mouth while someone else talks, waiting your turn to jump in and get in on that. 
That's being quiet. But active listening, when you hear them, look them in the eye. Parrot back to them what you think you heard. Husbands, this is a good thing to try with your wife. When she talks, don't just be quiet and watch the TV and let her talk. Look her in the eye. Listen and say, honey, I I think I heard you say this. And I think it maybe makes you feel this way. Is that right? And then wait. Because half the time you'll get it wrong. No, that's not what I said. And no, that's not how it makes me feel. This is time to listen again. This isn't just an issue for us guys. It's for all of us as Christians. Are we communicating in a way that God can use us to lead people by actively listening? And then it gives us the right to speak. To speak the truth. To define the reality that we talked about last week. Speaking the truth and love. Fourth, a skill set that God wants to develop in you. It's all throughout scripture. Is decision making. James 1.5 If any of you lacks wisdom... Anybody lack wisdom today? If you lack wisdom, you should ask God. That's enough right there. You shouldn't just go try to figure it out on your own. You shouldn't go to YouTube first and and Google it and see if you can get the answer right away by yourself. Ask God, who gives generously to all, not just to clergy, not just to the spiritual giant, to all without finding fault. Your Heavenly Father doesn't say, oh, you dummy, why didn't you get this? Why are you asking again? No. If you lack wisdom, ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. So when you're going to make a decision, the skills that God wants to give you as a leader, as a care of the Great Commission, these are some helps in this. First, get the facts. Get some facts about what you're going to be deciding. If you don't have the facts, you're going to make the wrong decision every time. A paraphrase of Proverbs 18, 13 says this. What a shame. Yes, how stupid to decide before knowing the facts. Don't just react. Get the facts so you can be proactive. Then get advice. Proverbs 18, 15. The intelligent man is always open to new ideas. In fact, he looks for them, looks for people to give him advice. Get both sides. Another paraphrase of Proverbs eighteen seventeen: Any story sounds true until someone tells the other side and sets the story straight. I found that there's not just two sides to a story. There's often seven, ten, fifteen different sides to a story. As you get the facts, as you get advice, as you look at all the different sides, then cry out for God's help. Ask God to give you wisdom. He will help you make the decisions. You are a leader. You are called to lead right where you are. Check this out. Making good decisions is not about getting more degrees, getting more training, getting more following, getting more support. It's about getting more wisdom from God. You want to be a great decision maker? Then press in to God. Ask God. Pray. The fifth leadership skill that God wants to give to us to help us lead right where we are is execution. The skill of following through. The discipline of getting things done. Many times people can make a decision in a room like this, sitting in places like you are, and this is what I'm going to do, but they never follow through on it. They never execute that decision. Galatians 6 tells us people reap what they sow. 
Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. What is it that you are sowing? What is it that your actions, what are you following through on? And it will tell you what harvest is coming. Are you investing, are you following through on any of the things that God has called you to do as a believer? Look, you have been given influence. Not some, not just a few. Every believer has been given influence. You've been given God's perspective. You've been given opportunities to serve. You've been given the truth. And you can define reality based off of the written word of God and the living word of God, Jesus, in your life. And integrity, the opportunity to live right. You've been given these things. And that is the call to lead. Not someday. Not when the stars align. Not when people finally recognize you right where you are. It was... A number of years ago, maybe even a couple decades ago, that I first heard the evangelist David Ring. Anybody heard David Ring before? Okay. David Ring was on television preaching, and I stopped on the channels when I heard him because I'd never heard of this guy before. And he had very severe cerebral palsy. And the disease had gotten to his muscles to the point where he was very difficult to understand the words that he was saying. And by the set and the background, everything you could tell, he was preaching in the church. And as I began to listen, I had to strain to listen really hard to hear what he was saying. He was a very intelligent man, but his muscles were not allowing him to speak as clearly as you or I could speak. And, and, and you would have to listen really hard, but when you would listen hard, you could understand and Pretty soon you would forget the disability and you'd begin to hear his words. And David Ring was preaching about God calling every person. And he didn't say to lead where you are, but in essence it was similar to that. To obey God in a radical way. And he told the story how God called him to preach. Now, I had never ever heard God call someone to preach like David Ring. And I would have thought if there was anybody who had an excuse to get out of preaching the Word of God, it would have been David Ring. He was very difficult to understand. He had a hard time controlling his muscle movements while he was preaching. And he described to the audience, to the crowd, how he argued with God. But God said, I am calling you to preach the word. And by him standing there, obviously we saw the end result of that. He answered in obedience. And I'll never forget David Ring and that long stutter that took him four or five times longer to say it than what I could say it. He looked the camera in the eye, he looked the people in the eye, and he said, I have cerebral palsy. And I still obeyed God. What's your excuse? It just hit me like a ton of bricks. What's your excuse? You see, God is not out of touch. He doesn't call you to lead right where you're at and has no idea your makeup, your personality, your gift mix. He has shaped you to lead. He has shaped you to serve. He has wired you that way. If you're an extrovert, God says, I know it. I made you that way. If you're an introvert, he says, I need you that way. I made you that way. If you have talents coming out your ears, he made you that way. If you don't have any talent but being able to pop your ear, he made you that way as well. And he said, I want you to lead right where you are at. This morning, I can hear not only David Ring's 
stuttered words, when he says, what's your excuse? I can hear God asking us the same question. You mean, I'm the God who can speak and create things? And I'm telling you that I've called you to lead where you're at, and you're telling me that you can't because so-and-so doesn't like you? You can't because you've never thought of yourself as being a leader? You can't because you fill in the blank. Remember the people we saw last week who were just the tip of the iceberg of people throughout Scripture who in an earthly form had no business leading, but God chose them, used them, and they were tremendous leaders. My challenge to us today is to hear God's call to lead right where we are at. He wants to equip you. He wants to give you the skill set to make a difference where you're at. As we get ready to close, I want to remind you that you have an opportunity today to explore one of the areas where you could lead right where you're at. The uh, ministry expo that we've talked about for the last couple of weeks, you can see the arrows directing you to the gym. And if, if you haven't made your way to the expo yet, we're going to end here and give you a couple extra minutes to get over there and check it out. And you need to hear me. This is not a plea because, well, we couldn't get someone to sign up. No. This is an opportunity for you to explore where God could possibly use you. Are these the only places that you could lead? Absolutely not. You could get your hands and feet dirty in many places. But most people say, I'm not doing anything because I don't know what to do. And you could step right in this room and you could have hundreds of opportunities for you to use what God has given to you to serve somebody beside yourself. Would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that your leadership is different than cultural corporate leadership. Thank you that for us to be leaders as followers of you, it's not about us, it's about you. And you want to work in and through all of our idiosyncrasies. You want to work in and through our strengths and weaknesses. And Father, I pray that you would give us the boldness to answer the call to the influence that you've given to us. That the perspective that you've given to us. God, that the truth that you've entrusted to us to define reality. God, I thank you for all these reasons you've given us to lead. And today, God, I, help, I pray that you'll help us to execute, follow through on the decision to let you use us right where we are. So before I see evidence, I thank you for the guidance and the wisdom you're going to give us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.